Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Worthing. This message is by Clive Urquhart. Obviously we're in our kind of series on Romans. We're going to continue on uh, this morning in that and all that God has begun. Uh, And we'll just give a very quick kind of summary of of last week's message. Uh, Jane and I were down with the congregation in Burgess Hill. I think you guys are doing church in the home this morning. So hello to everybody in Burgess Hill, uh, also in Worthing, also in church in the homes this morning. And um, we had a great time down there. Kevin and Sharon, who lead the congregation there, are doing an amazing job. And uh, the congregation has gone from, what, 15, 16 to about 40, 45, something like that, over the last few months. And uh, Church in the Home has been such a key part to that, hasn't it? And there's uh, lots of new people coming, and we met some of them last week, amazing people, part of the congregation there. So it's exciting. There was a great buzz in the place, wasn't there? Just what God's doing and uh, what that means uh, for that town. Um, so, yeah, this morning, so we want to gonna just flow, continue on in Romans verse 1, but we're going to begin to, Romans 1 verse 1, but look at a few things, other things in that chapter as well. And over the next few weeks, we're going to start working our way through uh, some of the next uh, chapter or two in the messages that uh, we're going to be looking at. And what we're doing with Romans is we're understanding the bigger picture of what God is doing, but also what that means for our lives today. <clears throat> and how God was speaking prophetically, uh, or speaking or, or through Paul to the church in Rome, but what that means for us prophetically today and understand what that looks like as we, as we seek to, to live as believers in the, in the time that we're alive. And, and it's important that we understand the bigger picture of what God is doing, what is he saying and what is happening at these times because then we know why we're living like we need to live today as believers why we need to pray in the way that God wants us to be praying, why we need to believe in the way that God wants us to believe. And what I mean by believe is what we believe in, in, in terms of the truth and all of that, but also how we live what we believe, how our faith is expressed and, and worked out in the context that we're in these days. And we looked at the beginning last week uh, where Paul says, a servant of Christ Jesus. And the word he used there was slave. And from what we looked at and unpacked, uh, the word slave there in relation to Christ has a different meaning than a subjugated slave of, of, of how a Roman might have thought of that, that you, I've bought you your mind, you're my commodity, I can do whatever I want with you and, and all of that kind of thing. Yet to, to a Jew, in, and how put the word Paul used there, doulos, in terms of the word slave there, the meaning of the word there meant not just a commodity that I've bought that you can belong to me and I, I just keep you in subordination, do whatever I want with you. The word doulos means in terms of slave, it means to, to be, it's a relational word. And so, yes, you might be a slave in a, in a house of a Jewish person, but the Hebrew understanding of this word is that when you had a slave in your home, they became part of the family. And it was a relationship, not a, a commodity that you bought and purchased that now you could do whatever you, you want with. And so in that context, Paul was say, saying, I'm a slave to Christ Jesus. And what that means is my life has been bought and purchased by Christ and now I belong to him. 
But in terms of me being a slave to Christ, what that meant was I've now been brought into a relationship with the one that has bought me and purchased me and that I belong to now. And in that relationship, I now become part of the family that I have been purchased into by his blood in that in terms of what he's done. And so when he become when what he means by this as well, I become part of this family and therefore I have the same I, I have the same rights, if you like, as the family because I've been brought into that family and I can operate with an authority with that that family has because I'm now part of that family. And so it changes what we maybe think being a slave to Christ is. So being a slave to Christ is not an onerous thing where he's bought me and purchased me with his blood. Uh, on one level, I have no rights of my own. But the great thing is when we're adopted into his family, I now am adopted into a family in a kingdom that has other rights. And so I now have all the rights of who God is in my life. So I now as a child of God, as a slave to Christ, as an heir with Christ, I now have the right as a son of God, as a child of God, to live and to operate in certain things because I'm now part of a kingdom. I'm now part of a family. Being a slave to Christ, which means being a son of God, an heir with Christ, and so therefore I have rights, I have all authority, I have a position in who I am in Christ. So when I pray, I pray as a son of God, not just as a subjugated slave in terms of what I think being a slave to Christ might mean. No, it means when I pray, I pray with an authority. I pray from a place of victory. I pray, pray from a place of being seated with Christ. That means I live in that place too as a son, as somebody that has been adopted out of subordination to the power of sin that now has been defeated because of the blood of Jesus and I now come into sonship and I now have an authority and a place of victory and sonship that I live in. Not just live from, but live in all the time. So it affects how I think about who I am in relation to God because he doesn't see me as a, a subordinate slave to, to fulfil every woman fancy that he has because God doesn't treat us like that. He brings us out of, he brings us from being an orphan, separated from the father and brings us into sonship, into a family. There's a lot in those first few words when he says, I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. Amen. And what he was communicating at that point that he then unpacks, which we're going to get to. Then the next thing, what does he say? He says, called to be an apostle. So there's a context in which Paul is speaking here. So he starts off saying, I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. But what he means by that is I've been brought into a relationship with Christ to serve him, to lay my life down for him in the same way he's laid his life down. But rather than I have to, I'm supposed to, I should do, it's I want to. Because God never violates anyone's will. And so when we surrender to God, we're saying, Father, I willingly give myself to you in the same way that Jesus said to the Father, I willingly give myself for them. And our response is, Jesus, you gave yourself willingly to me. So I want to surrender everything of who I am and willingly give myself to you so there can be a swap. 
of the power of sin that keeps me as a slave to separation from God to now being a slave to Christ that brings me into relationship with Him. And in that context, the Apostle Paul is saying, I'm a slave to Christ, called to be an apostle. Now the word called there means to be appointed. It means to be chosen, to be summoned. But it also means more than just called or appointed. It means summoned for a purpose. And being a Christian, yes, it's relationship with God, but it's also relationship with a purpose. And so how do we know that? Matthew 4, 19, Jesus said when he was calling the initial disciples, what did he say when, uh, on the, the edge of the Sea of Galilee? He said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So the first part is come and follow, come and have relationship with me. But then he said, and I'll make you fishers of men. That's the purpose. So God brings us into relationship with him, firstly, to save us from the power of sin. Amen. Not just to forgive us for, from our sins uh, that we've done, but to actually save us from the power of sin. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. And because he defeated the power of sin on the cross, when we come to him and we surrender our lives, and yes, we repent of our sins, uh, and say, Father, I need you to forgive me for this, forgive me for that. But also at that moment, when we surrender our lives and we say, I'm no longer going to live my life according to my own desires. I want to surrender everything and live according to yours. That exchange, God breaks the power of sin as we repent of our sin. So we're now free from the power of sin. Now we can still choose to sin, but the power of sin no longer controls our life like we're a slave to sin. So we've become aware now, we've crossed from death to life in terms of not knowing God to knowing Him and we've now become aware of some things that we weren't aware of before. And this is why God fills us with His Holy Spirit to enable us to live in the good of what He's done so that we have the power to overcome temptation and then sin. Anyway, that's a different message that we'll come to later. Another day. So relationship, come follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. So it's a relationship with purpose. Then what did Jesus say? Again in John 13, verses 34 and 35, he says here, with, to, to the disciples and those believers that were around at that time, he said, a new command I give you, the people that were with him in that moment, love one another. So as, you have loved, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. So that's the relationship bit. So, Relationship is this way with God, but it's also relationship with one another. Amen. But what's the purpose here? By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Amen. So Jesus understood that the Christian life or to follow him or to know God, there's two parts to it. There's relationship this way and there's relationship this way, but it's relationship with purpose. And as we love God and know Him this way, we will love people that way. We will love one another. But also there's a love that we have for one another that somehow enables all men or the world to see something different than they experience and know. Now Jesus understood covenant. That's why he, He said some of the things that he did. He understood the covenant that he had with the Father. 
And covenant is, I will never, ever let you down. I will be with you no matter what, through thick and thin, whatever you want to say. And so when Jesus talks about covenant, he talks about, I will never, ever leave you and I'll never, ever forsake you. And his covenant is everlasting and unfailing. And so when he says to these guys, follow me and I'll make you fishes of men. So know me and you'll be fruitful this way. Then he says to us, love one another and then the world will know, all men will know. It's in the context of covenant, a relationship where to love one another means even if somebody winds you up, even if somebody says something that you don't like, even if something goes on that you find really difficult uh, or whatever, we don't run and hide or we don't disappear or we don't just, well, stuff them, you know, because we've been brought into a covenant, a family, a relationship where we work things out Amen. and we go through thick and thin with each other. The culture of grey stuff in the autumn and some of the things we talked about there. Somebody might say, I'm really struggling in this area of my life and we don't sit there and judge them and say, well, you're an idiot. You shouldn't have done that. Instead, we go, right, for somebody to actually open up their heart and life and to be honest, say, I'm really struggling with something, whatever it is. We want to meet that with either, man, I, I, I've been through the same thing. How can I help you? Or even if you haven't, it's like, how can I help you anyway? Because we're here to walk together. There's enough stuff going on out there to give each other a hard time. So anyway, don't want to get sidetracked here. So relationship with purpose. This is what Paul understood. So Paul's purpose was to be an apostle. Now, not everybody's called to be an apostle, okay? But God calls his people to be an apostolic people. Now, what does that mean? So an apostle is somebody that is sent forth with a particular purpose or, or it's an actual sent forth with a mission or a co-mission. Uh, it's a mandate. It's like being an ambassador. Uh, it's to represent an authority, a kingdom. But what an apostle did, it was a Roman word. And, and what an apostle did, he was sent from Rome to somewhere to go and establish Rome wherever he went. So the culture... The, the mindset and the lifestyle, the ethos of what Rome was and what it represented as an empire and everything that they were, you were sent out to re-establish that wherever you went. And Paul understood that's what the word meant and that's what Romans did. And so Paul redefines the word apostle for a church context because the word apostle means literally a sent one that takes what he is part of and represents and to establish that and that becomes the lifestyle of what is lived there. And so what Paul says is Paul an apostle and then he says in the next bit, set apart for the gospel of God and, and the things that come there. And what is he saying? He's saying here that as believers, or well, firstly him as apostle, I, I'm sent, he says, an apostle to establish the life of the kingdom wherever I go. Now, to establish something, you need to have a message of what it is that you're, you're establishing, but also the life and the culture of that to establish it. It's two things, a message and the actual lifestyle uh, that you're going to live. And so 
Paul is speaking here and saying, I'm, I'm called to be an apostle, somebody that takes the life of the kingdom and establishes it. Now, just pan that out a little bit to us in this room this morning or online today. What does it mean to be apostolic? In its, in its most basic form, that God calls the church to be a people of the kingdom and we're to take the life of the kingdom wherever we go. And that the life of the kingdom is more powerful than other things that are operating around us. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. So every day we're bumping up against different things in life that is going on. And the spirit that is at work in you and I as believers is greater than the spirit that is at work out there through people and in different situations. And so we take the life of the kingdom out wherever we are. What does that mean if you, if you think about it? So what was Jesus talking about? He, when he said, come follow me and I'll make you fishes of men, then love one another in the same way I've loved you. What's he talking about? He's talking about come and take the life of the kingdom wherever you go. And that life of the kingdom, which is, we'll come to in a minute, full of faith and love. And what does that mean being expressed out into the world, into people around us? So there's two parts of this message of the, the, being an apostle or being apostolic, living as a sent people. So we need to understand, you know, often when we talk about church in our modern culture, uh, even with all the different styles of church and expression these days, uh, it's still amazing how much of the church goes to church on a Sunday, yeah. goes to a meeting on a Sunday. We go to listen. We go to see what it's going to be like. Yeah. And we go home giving it marks out of 10 yeah. or whatever. How did that go this morning? Did we think it was any good? Well, I don't know. You know. Should we go next week or not? I don't know. There's all sorts of things that go on in the church where people, oh, should we try somewhere next week because they might have worship that we might like or, oh, there's a preacher at that church that we really like. Let's go there, you know, next week. Or, well, actually, I'm not going to go to my church this morning because there's an online thing going on somewhere else that I'd really like to connect in with that live. And, and we flit around and all of that. And it's, there's a modern day church that's flitting around that's it. That's in different ways. And why does Jesus talk about covenant in the way he does? Because he wants us to connect to one another, belong to one another, understand we're living for more than just a pick and mix Christianity. That we're living to see God's kingdom established. So Paul understood his life was on mission. And we need to understand, well, often when we talk about the church, we, we talk about structure and we talk about the body, loving one another and all that, which is great and part of it. But we need to understand we're here on mission. That's right. That's right. So here we're living our lives for ourselves, doing whatever we want. Yeah. Here, the other side of the cross and being saved, if you like, in our lives, we're now here for a purpose. Yeah. And so we're living on mission. Yeah. We're living every day. What does God want to do, not just in me, in my relationship, but what does he want to do through me today? All the life and the power that we have of the kingdom. You, you will never have more life and power of the kingdom than you already have. That's true. 
It's impossible. When you got saved, the day you gave your life to the Lord, you got baptised in the Spirit, God didn't say, I'll give you this much, let's see what you do with it, and then I'll give you a bit more. What he did, he gave himself fully to us. He gave all of the Holy Spirit. We've come into the, the life of the kingdom. And, and what God wants is us to be asking every day, OK, Holy Spirit, what life of who you are in me, what is it you want to release through me today? So we're thinking about being a releaser of his life every day because that's the mentality Paul had. That's how he came to the church wherever he went to preach and teach and encourage the body because there were two parts to his message. The first one came off the back of the great commission that Jesus gave, okay? Matthew 28, 18 to 20. All, most of you are going to know this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything, all that I commanded you. Now, the word teach there doesn't mean this, what we're doing, stand on a platform and tell people. What it means is show them by example. That's actually what it means to go and make disciples. Show them by example and on the way, explain to them why you're living the life that you are. That's what Jesus did when he made disciples. He, he lived and did whatever he did. And on the way, he explained what he was doing and why he was doing it so they could catch on. But the, the, the early church, they understood this wasn't knowledge and information that they lived with. It was a, a faith that they lived by, that they outworked in, in very practical ways. So Paul understood the Great Commission and... and but in order to make disciples and affect people's lives, there's a message and there's a lifestyle. Yes. Those two things go together. So what does he say in Romans 1 verses 16 and 17? He's done a little bit of not preamble, but there's a few verses before where he's writing to the church in Rome and he's saying how he longs to be with them, how their faith has been kind of heard all over the world. And um, he's saying, I'd, I'd love to be with you and have a harvest in the same way with you as I've had in other places. That's what he says leading up to this, these verses. And then he says this in verse 16 and 17. He says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Gospel means good news. Um, it, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And so... He's writing a, into this context where it's very challenging to be a believer. It's challenging to express your faith in that Roman culture of the day. And he's, he's saying, hey, guys, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because why am I not ashamed? Because it is the power of God for the salvation. So no matter what other powers are going on there, there's a power in the gospel that is more powerful than the culture, more powerful than the spirit of this age or day that we're in. And, and he, he says here, it's first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, which he, and this is one of the, re, well, the main reason he was writing the letter to the church in Rome, which he unpacks, which we'll get to as well. But then what does he do in the next verse? He sums up the gospel in one sentence. In verse 17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now he's writing that into this context without getting into this, because we'll get into this in other messages. Why, why is he saying 
for this good news, for this gospel, a righteousness from God. Knowing that the Jews, if you're Jewish and you weren't a believer, for example, you'd be seeking to be righteous by trying to obey and fulfil the law. And therefore, Paul describes that later in other things as self-righteousness. And, he, and, and you can't reach God in your own self-righteousness. What is he saying here? There's, there's a righteousness that from God. So he's pointing people back to the cross. There's something that God did and established on the cross that we cannot establish ourselves. And the word righteousness in this context, I mean, it means there's a lot to it. But in its simple form, his righteousness from God means a cleansing, a purifying from God, a being made holy that comes from God is revealed through what God has done. And it says a cleansing, a, a forgiving, a salvation, holiness, whatever, righteousness, that is by faith from first to last. Because it's not anything that you could do yourself that can attain any type of righteousness. We have no righteousness of our own. This is what he's saying to these guys. And from first to last, it is by faith. And so the emphasis is all on what God has done, not what we might be able to do. Amen. So the enemy, the devil, always wants to point us to works in terms of salvation. When I say works, I don't mean praying for the sick and that sort of stuff. We're called to do that. But in terms of <clears throat> us trying to be godly, trying to be holy, trying to be righteous. And if I do this, then God's going to love me more. If I do that, then he's going to like me more. If I live like that, he's going to answer my prayers more. If we, if we start with anything that is, if I do this, then God will do that. That's a works mentality. That's a, a law kind of mindset or a religious mindset that if I do this, then God will accept me. If I do that, then God will love me more. If I do that, then I will feel better about myself. And the focus is on what I do. But yet Paul is saying, no, there's a righteousness. There's, there's a, a cleansing, a purifying, a relationship with God, a position with God that only comes from him because of what he has done and who he is, which liberates us from ourselves. It's liberating to know you don't have to try and be holy. That's amazing. But God puts his Holy Spirit in us, doesn't he? To speak to us to convict us. And I think sometimes we think of the word conviction as a negative thing. Oh, he's going to convict me again, isn't he? But conviction, there's two sides to that coin. One is, yes, a conviction. He convicts us sometimes. How do you know sometimes you're about to say something and you, this, this little wait, wait, wait goes on or don't say that, don't go there. And, and it's, that's the Holy Spirit kind of saying, no, don't go there. No, don't say it. Just Keep that to yourself or whatever. And, and in that moment, we have a choice. Do I want to do this or not? So there's that convicting work of the Spirit that shows us what is right, what is wrong. Don't say it. Hold it. Self-control. Keep your mouth shut. Forgive. Let that go. Don't react. Don't get angry. The Holy Spirit's in us, right? Because he develops the nature and the character of Christ in us. And so he helps us like that. But also the Holy Spirit, in terms of conviction, he convinces us of the truth. Amen. What is of God and what isn't. So when you hear the truth, the Holy Spirit goes, yes, in your spirit. You might sit there and go, 
But the Holy Spirit's going, come on. And he wants you to go, yes, on the inside in agreement with what, what he's trying to show us. And most of what he's trying to show us is what we already have. And most of the time in all our preaching and you, listen, you go to any church, well, not any church, can't say that. Churches that preach the word anyway. And um, if people are wanting to, God often is saying the same thing in so many different ways to remind us of what we already have on the inside of us that he wants us to live in the good of. But he keeps having to say the same thing over and over again in different ways, using different subjects and themes. So we think he's saying something different week after week, but he's really saying the same thing week after week. What's he saying? Live in the good of all that I am in you. Be who you are as a new creation in me. Live as a child of the Son of God. Kick the devil in the teeth. Don't listen to him. He's a liar. He's an idiot. He's already been defeated. Don't give him the time of day. I mean, basically, that's every message that you, you, you're going to hear. Some people call it holiness. You're going to have a message on holiness. And everybody in the room goes, oh, switching off this morning. You know, uh, and, and sometimes, well, a message about signs and wonders. Oh, come on then, let's hear it. But what, no matter what you hear, it's basically, this is who you are, this is what you have, and this is what you can see happen. It's all in the book, isn't it? How many of you can read? If you can't, we'll pray for you or we'll help you learn to read. But it's all in here. There's no secrets. The Holy Spirit is in us to reveal the hidden things. That if you read it with your natural mind, you go, I don't know what that means. But if you read it with the mind of the Spirit, things come alive in here. It's not just a book to be read, it's a book to be lived. And God wants our faith to come alive more and more. As we read something, you might read one verse and it just jumps off the page because the Holy Spirit goes, I want to reveal something to Mary or Peter or John or whoever, you know, when they read it. And, and they're only going to get in the first, they're not even going to do the whole reading for the day that Kingdom Faith have put in their schedule for all their people to read. No, we're going we're gonna to hijack them as they read that and, and they're going to read the first verse and boom, we're going to explode something in their spirit and they're going to go, wow, well, I got it, I, I get it now, I get it. I'm forgiven or whatever it might be in that, that moment. That's why we read the Bible every day. Because it's life. It's life. It's life. It's life. It's, it's thing on a page. But when you read it, with the, it's life. So feed on what is life. Feed on what is life. Don't just feed on all the news that's going on. All right? Because a lot of it's not good at the moment. Don't just feed on that all the time. Carve out time. Say, right, I'm, ju I'm just going to sit here right now with the Holy Spirit I'm going to just ask him, would you blow this wide open in me? Would you do something in me when I read this that you, Jesus, come alive to me in a fresh way? Talk to me, speak into here so that I live in who I am in you. Show me whatever you want to show me and, and just see what God does. See what he does on the inside of you. This is taking longer than I thought this morning, um, which it normally does. So relationship. This righteousness from God, okay, brings it into relationship. But then what does Paul say? This is amazing. So he sums up the gospel in one verse there, Romans 1, 17. But then what does he say in Galatians 5, verse 6? This is Paul. He says, the only thing that counts. Wow. 
What's going to come next then? Because there's a lot in here. Then Paul says, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Wow. Now, what does he mean by faith? He means the faith that you have been brought into, all of the truth and the life that you have been brought into, everything that you now believe that you've been brought into. What is he saying? This faith, this fullness of life, the only thing that counts now in life is this faith that is in you, the only thing that counts is this faith that you have being expressed through love. So Paul's message basically was he constantly, as an apostle, one of the things apostles do is they they hold the church to the truth of God's word. I mean, that's what pastors and leaders should be doing. But particularly apostles, part of their mandate is to hold the church to the truth of God's word. Pastor Colin was amazing at that. And other people like him. And the Apostle Paul was doing this. He was constantly saying to the church. So he was bringing correction to different churches in different places because they needed to know what the truth was. You imagine, think the early church didn't have the New Testament like we have it. They didn't have all the teachings of Paul written down like we have and and other apostles and and that 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 wrote letters to the churches uh, at the time. And and they didn't have all of that. So you could see how easy it could be for, for believers to get into error or wrong thinking or teaching and all of that. At least we've got the whole thing you know, to help us in that sense. And we still go here, there and everywhere. Um, But (laughs) anyway, that was supposed to be funny, it wasn't. (laughs) The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So what did Jesus say? He says, come follow me, come and know me, come into a relationship with me and I'll make you fishes of men. Then he went on from there and he said, in the same way I've loved you, you must love one another. So the essence of Paul's message was the same as Jesus's. Jesus basically said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what was Jesus saying? Leave that life and now come into this new life, this life of the kingdom, into relationship with God. But in that context, you're going to be fishers of men. You're going to be fruitful. Then he said, and in this context, as believers, love one another so that the world may know. So Paul's message was basically the same thing. Everywhere he went, he taught the the believers, what does it mean to live in Christ? What does it mean to live in the fullness of who you are now as a child of the kingdom? What does it look like as the people of God together to live in who you are in Christ? And the way that must be expressed is through love. And if you express it through love, the world will know And Paul emphasised keeping the unity of the faith. If you read, just read, not only Romans, but other things that he wrote, epistles and and whatnot, how much he talks about love one another, love one another, love, and the practical nature of that. If you read, when we get to Romans 12, um, 
the first few verses of that chapter are all about really practical how you love one another, love one another. And he constantly bangs the same drum. Keep the unity of the spirit. Keep the unity, keep the unity, keep the unity, keep the unity. Don't let any divisions come amongst you. Don't let any factions come amongst you. Don't let anything separate you and cause offence. You know, forgive, la, 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 la. He, he is just on it all the time. Why? Because he knows that the church is not just about turning up to a meeting or, or, or having a load of functions that go on or having traditions and certain things that we fulfil and do and, and we, we choose what level of spirituality we want to live at and, oh, I'm happy with that as a, as a... I mean, you know, how God sees the church, He sees every one of us as His ambassadors on earth. And an ambassador represents a kingdom. And when he's sent to another place as an ambassador of the nation he's part of, he's sent with the authority of that nation to go into that place. And when you have a, um, where an ambassador lives? Embassy, Embassy that's it, thanks. Um, this is really interactive this morning. When, uh, when it, that embassy, when you go through that gate into that embassy, it's like you are now in that nation and you're under the laws of that nation. Wow. So in London, there's loads of embassies. There's loads of little nations, you know, in London, you know. But that's the same with us. We're part of another kingdom now. So wherever we go, we take this life of the kingdom. And whenever anybody comes near us, what did Jesus say? The kingdom of heaven is not over there or over here. The kingdom of heaven is within you. So when anybody is around near our lives, the kingdom of heaven is at hand for them. They can come into something else that they, than what they are living in at this moment. So Paul's message basically was truth and love. Faith expressed through love. Truth, the word being the foundation, having sound doctrine, hold fast to the truth, being a people of faith. But then this constant encouragement, love one another, forgive one another, be patient with one another, go the extra mile. Do whatever it takes. Keep the unity of the faith. Because he knows where there's division and where there's factions, there's, no, there's not a release of power. There's not a release of God's kingdom in the same way because people are too upset with one another for some reason, whatever it might be, than actually about the mission that we're called to. And so the purpose of you and I, the uh, purpose of the church, or you and I being the church, being an apostolic people, there's a lot more to being an apostle and apostolic than we've touched on this morning. We're just talking about the general message that Paul brought was faith and love. We're called to be a people of faith expressed through love. And we're here to reproduce that life with one another, but also out to the world. Let's just say this for a couple of moments. So an apostle, one of the things biblically when you look at apostles is their spiritual fathers. What does a father do? He creates an environment for a family. And so part of an apostle's responsibility is to help to create a spiritual family. What's another thing an apostle does? They hold fast to the truth and they make sure the church doesn't get into error, into heresy or into other stuff. You know, sometimes, you know, if you only go off a degree, if you keep going in that direction, it gets more and more and more. But you don't realise you can just be one degree off 
And, and that's why God gives people, apostles, prophets and others, to actually hold the church accountable to the, or fast to the truth. There's many truths there so-called out there at the moment, but there's only one true truth. And that's why it's so important that you read it, spend time in it, and you ask the Holy Spirit, would you just bring this alive to me? Would you just bring this conviction on the inside of me? Not just a conviction, oh yeah, that's, you know, but like a conviction of, yeah, that's it, that is it. Because when something comes your way that's not true or is only one degree out, because there's a lot of stuff flicking around on the internet at the moment. Some of it sounds quite good. Even Jay and I got sent something the other day. The first half of it actually sounded quite good. And it was like, well, okay, where's this going? But it didn't end with Jesus and what he's doing and, 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 and built faith and like, yeah, it ended with Donald Trump and what he's going to do next time he's the president of America. And so straight away, it's like, well, drop kick that into touch then. And there's lots of stuff that, that seems quite good. But if you, if you continue down that, you know, you're going to go that way. And what happens when you read this thing? This becomes your spirit level. This, this thing is your spirit level. And this is the thing. You know, when you've got a spirit level and you get the bubble right in the thing, this is going to help you stay right in the bubble with God. And, and, and when things are slightly that or slightly that, you're going to go, mm, no, that's off. That, that just, mm, no, that doesn't feel right. And you might not be able to say, oh, I know what's wrong with that. It's this. You might not even be able to know exactly why it isn't. But on the inside of you, because you're living your life according to this spirit level, when something's, you go, mm, no, no, it doesn't sit with me. Or why don't you think it sits? Well, I don't know. I can't explain it. Well, because you can't explain it then, I must be right. That's what people say sometimes. Because I've had that in the last couple of years. The amount of stuff we've been sent, clips from this, that and the other, theories about this, that and the other. And sometimes then people ring up, what did you think? And I said, well, I don't, I, I, it just doesn't sit with me, mate. So what are you saying? I don't know exactly, but it just doesn't sit with me. And then I get told all the reasons why it is of God and why it is. And it's difficult then because somebody's, and I'm like, spirit level, spirit level, spirit level. There's some things, doesn't quite line up with here. Doesn't finish with Jesus. So faith and love, let's get back to that and let's, uh, let's stand to our feet, shall we? There's other things an apostle does that therefore apostolic people then do. Um, there's an authority with apostles that God gives to do certain things in the body of Christ. As an apostolic people, we then operate in apostolic authority. Some of those things happen in prayer. Some of what goes on in worship. We, un we need to understand when we worship, there's more than just what's happening in the room going on. When we worship, if we understand what true worship is, when we pray, we're not just praying to the ceiling, hoping God's going to hear it. And if we pray the right thing and he thinks, that's a great prayer, I'm going to answer that. I've never heard anybody put it like that before. <laughs> Uh, Gabriel, that was brilliant. Go and answer that one because it was creative. I've, it was whatever. God's not like that. He tells us what we need to pray. And then we pray what he wants, not what we're trying to think. But there's an authority in prayer that we have when we pray what he wants. Same in our lives, in your home. You have the authority 
of what goes on in your home, what you allow, what you don't. Your, your mind, your home is not a playground for the enemy. We, we encourage one another. We stick with one another. We help one another to be who God's called us to be. So let's just take a moment. Then I'm just going to get to pray for one another. There's a supernatural release uh, through apostles, signs and wonders. Therefore, through an apostolic people, signs and wonders. People getting healed and lives getting transformed. People being set free. So firstly, just thank him that you are a slave to Christ, that he's brought you into relationship with him. But thank him now that you brought me into a relationship with you for a purpose, to serve you, to honour you. Just thank him that part of that purpose is to love everybody that is around you in this room. Whoever's part of the body, the church, just thank him. You've called me to love people. You've called me to be full of grace, full of mercy. You've called me to go the extra mile. But also you've called me to make disciples, to be fruitful. You've called me to live on mission, to live with a purpose. I thank you. you called me to express the faith that I have, all that you've given me to express this life through love to one another and to those that don't yet know Jesus. And your word says, Father, that if we love one another in the same way that Jesus loved us, he says, all men, he says, the world will know. There's something that goes out when <laughs> something that sounds so inward, like loving one another, there's something that goes out that happens. And Father, I just thank you. In the context that Paul was writing as well, he was explaining to these guys, hey, as Jew and Gentile, when you come together, as he talks about in Ephesians, as one new man, and you love one another in that way, across cultural borders, r racial borders, yes. backgrounds and all sorts, when, when you're one body like that, when you love one another and you're laying your life down, there's, there's no preference, there's no somebody's better than someone else or somebody's more important than anybody else. Well, this is what he's hitting and addressing. There's, there were cultural, racial kind of things. Jew and Gen, there, was a, there was tension there and he was addressing it saying, hey, you know, love one another in the same way. The only thing that counts is faith expressed through love. So, Father, we just thank you that you grace us to be this people of faith and this people of love that you've called us to be. Thank you, Jesus. Just turn to someone else. Just pray for them in the next few minutes. Just pray for them. If you want, you can just share for a moment what God said to you, anything that's really resounding from this morning. Uh, if not, just pray for one another. To live this life of faith expressed through love. Just pray that for one another right now. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.